welcome to a new episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Today's episode, I will be covering skinwalkers, dogmen, werewolves, these bipedal cryptids that are half man, half dog, or wolf, Canis lupus lupus. I'm sure you're all familiar with the legends and the folklore surrounding werewolf-type creatures, Um, not just in the United States, but throughout the world. I'm going to start this episode today covering a very serious matter, and that is of the poor boy named Canon Hinnant. A family of a five-year-old boy, he was shot and killed by a neighbor. They say we shouldn't even be here. The boy's father had dinner with the alleged killer the night before he shot his son. The five-year-old boy was fatally shot by the neighbor, Cannon Hinton. He was fatally shot outside of his North Carolina home last Sunday. His neighbor, 25-year-old Darius Sessoms, was arrested and now faces a first-degree murder charge. He's being held without parole. They know he did it. They saw it happen. The father ran to cradle his son after hearing gunshots. And the shooter, after having done this, is pacing the front yard, muttering to himself and waving the gun back and forth like he's on something or perhaps schizophrenic or somehow he lost his mind the night before this happened the shooter was at this family's home having dinner with them they had been neighbors for years close acquaintances you know neighborly people and he just comes up and shoots the kid in the head on what grounds for what reason the family of Cannon will never get over the loss of their little boy. This five-year-old was shot and killed by the neighbor while riding his bike in Wilson, North Carolina, according to police. We shouldn't even be here, Cannon's grandfather, Merrill Race, told ABC News. The Raleigh-Durham station, WTVD. Cannon was the type of kid that was always polite, kind of laid back, but he was a beautiful little kid. Cannon's family said they were preparing to send him to kindergarten, which was set to start this week. But instead, they spent their time receiving more than 100 cars who arrived for his funeral. Cannon was a loving child. He loved going to church. He lit up any room he walked into. I mean, any store we were in, he would walk up to and talk to total strangers. Austin Hinnant, Cannon's father, told ABC News. Hinnant said the tragedy began as a normal day. They all wanted to go ride their bikes and enjoy their Sunday afternoon like they always did, just like any other Sunday. And then it wasn't 20 to 30 minutes later, said the father, when he heard the gunshots and he said he ran out this front door. First thing... I see, he says, is my son laying on the ground. And it crossed my mind that maybe he just fell off his bike. 
as I got closer to him and scooped him up in my arms, I realized how horrific it truly was. I had to scoop up my son and hold him in my arms as blood ran down my arm. And all I could do was pray to God, said his father. Cannon's two sisters were there to witness the tragic event. It's been very tough for my two daughters, he said. The young boy's killing has garnered international attention. People from around the world have been using several hashtags related to Cannon's death on social media to send prayers, words of encouragement, and donations to his family. The alleged shooter, Darius Sessoms, 25, was arrested Monday after fleeing the scene and is now in jail without bond facing a first-degree murder charge. Wilson police said it's unclear when the next day in court will be. When we've been neighbors for eight years, Hennant told ABC News, we had just been cordial neighbors like anybody else. We would speak when we saw one another and he may have walked over and talked to me for a few minutes, vice versa. On Saturday, the day before the fatal shooting, Cannon's father had Sesums over for dinner. Hanant told ABC News that they shared a beer together on the porch that his demeanor seemed fine. But he said Sesums also seemed paranoid about something that had happened Friday night. Like he was being watched or he kept looking over his shoulder every so often. Anytime he heard a sudden noise or a car door slam really hard or someone drive by really loudly, he would immediately look up and almost prepare to run or move. It didn't make any sense to him. It looked like he had a lot on his mind and I was cooking chicken on the grill. So I invited him into my home. We're supporters of God and I just told him that God tells us to love our neighbors. The family says they intend to hold a vigil in the near future, but is taking time now to mourn and heal. The boy loved everyone, young Cannon, and he would ask that we all come together in his name and try to unite this country and love one another. Now, there's a lot of BS floating around on social media about this catastrophe, this senseless murder. And everyone is screaming outrage and asking where the protests are for this young boy, where the outrage is for this young boy. And I, I can't figure out if these people that are posting this actually expect people to take to the streets and vandalize and loot and destroy when just a few weeks ago the same people would be complaining about people who were taken to the streets and looting and rioting and destroying property. Is this what they want in the name of this young child? Justice was served. This guy, the murderer, was immediately apprehended and is going to prison. Hopefully he gets the death penalty or maybe he won't even make it to trial. Maybe they will brutally beat and murder him in prison or jail, wherever he's being held, which wouldn't be that great of a loss. But if you're going to post things like this and demand justice and and insist on media attention, they got the attention it needed. The solution was almost immediate. They caught the guy. 
justice is being served. What more do we need to do? Do we need to take to the streets? Is this what you want? Do you want us to take to the streets? Where just a month ago you were complaining about people taking to the streets seeking justice for injustices, which ended up causing millions and millions of dollars of damage. Is this what you want? Do you want people to destroy in the name of this young child? If you want real reform, if you want real change, maybe one step would be to stop allowing people like Sesums, the shooter, the murderer, to have easy access to firearms. Because from the sound of it, he may have mental instability issues. He may be a little on the schizo side, maybe a little on the violent side. We don't know enough about this guy's history. Not enough of it has been has been revealed to us. We don't know about his background. We don't know if he's been convicted of any kind of violent crimes in the past or if he has been involved in gang violence in the past. We have no idea. That's not being covered. That's not being displayed. But if you really want senseless violence like this to stop and senseless shootings and murders to stop, we need serious gun reform in this country. And I don't mean people that I'm closely aligned with who are just out hunting which is the sole purpose in the 21st century for a civilian to be carrying a firearm, hunting, or just going to a firing range. That's perfectly fine, legit, and sane. But not everybody in this country needs to have a firearm. It shouldn't be a social requirement because you're a red-blooded American to carry a firearm. Because in this case, that person certainly should not have had access to one. I hope you enjoy the rest of this show. And now a word from our sponsor. Monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com Werewolves, werewolves, werewolves. Where are they? Where do they come from? What do they want? This is so much more than just Hollywood fandom folklore horror and what fun nonsense it is, actually. Eleven historical werewolves that terrorized villages around the world. You might think of werewolf stories as something only told for fun around campfires, but that hasn't always been the case. Historically, many slayings, crimes, and generally horrific incidents have been attributed to werewolves. People truly believed in the existence of these creatures. In fact, in the 16th and 17th centuries in Europe, werewolf trials accompanied witch trials, and sometimes they were even one and the same. It's even more surprising to note the number of people who confessed to being werewolves or lycanthropes. Some were likely tortured into confession, but others believed themselves to be real werewolves. The idea that someone could transform into an animal was a popular one, and people thought they could make a deal with the devil in order to obtain that power. Is there any truth behind enduring the legend of the werewolf? Or were these creatures just convenient scapegoats for mysterious misdeeds? Whatever you think, there's no denying that these historical encounters with werewolves are fascinating and downright spooky. Now, for example, the werewolf of Chalons cooked his victims for dinner in the 1500s. 
In the 1500s, a French tailor was convicted of luring in, torturing, and slaying his victims before cooking and eating them for supper. Another good example is Peter Stubbe. He claimed to be a serial killer who was actually a werewolf. This was in 1589. Peter Stubbe was one of many self-confessed werewolves. In 1589, he claimed that his wolfskin belt allowed him to transform. And he also said he had slain over a dozen victims. In 1685, the mayor became the Wolf of Ansbach. The people of Ansbach were angry and scared at their, that their livestock was attacked by a wolf-type creature. Hans, the werewolf, said he was bitten by a man in black. This was in Estonia in the 17th century. Giles Garnier, the werewolf of Dole. Jacques Roulat. The werewolf of Angers mutilated a boy in 1598. Two werewolf friends hunted together in 1521. With a long trail of gore behind them, Pierre Burgot and Michael Verdun confessed to being werewolves in 1521. Their deeds were gruesome, as records indicate. They killed a woman who was gathering peas, also seized a little girl of four years old and ate the palpitation flesh, all saved one arm. The Georgia werewolf, Emily Isabella Burt, terrorized neighbors in the 19th century. This is an American werewolf legend that comes from Georgia. As the story goes, the widowed Mildred Burt lived in a rural part of the country in the mid-19th century. One of her daughters, Emily Isabella Burt, had trouble sleeping at night, and she had extra hair and sharp teeth. Then there was the werewolf of Polotsk. He lived on as a sorcerer and a werewolf. He was a very real, real ruler of Polotsk in what is now known as Belarus, known as Zevlaz, the sorcerer for his rumored magical powers. He was also believed to take the form of a wolf. Then there was the beast of Gudavan, who stalked through the 18th century France. The tale of the Beast of Gouvandon is one surrounded by mystery and a whole lot of bloodshed. Cannibalism made you a werewolf in ancient Greece. Beliefs differ on what exactly turned someone into a werewolf. In ancient Greece, apparently people believed that someone could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf and a human mixed together. The story is similar to the tale of King Laekuan. He attempted to trick the god Zeus into eating human flesh. Zeus wasn't pleased with this and turned Laekuan into a wolf as punishment. His name is likely the root of the word lycanthropy. And of course, these are some of the tales and legends that surround us in the world we live in, pertaining to the dogman, werewolves, skinwalkers, other type of bipedal wolf or dog-like creatures. And there's so many more tales that are not just of the ancient world, but of the world we currently live in, like the werewolf of London, Ohio. And that encounter took place in the 1980s. I wrote about this in my book, Haunted Enough. Be sure to check that out if you want to read that tale. It's something that I would assume you'd find quite chilling. Uh, I've been told that it's probably the book itself is one of the scariest books I've ever written. I hope you enjoy it.
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. This tragic story was was shared with me from Brian Ellis of Expedition Bigfoot. Richard Stevens, a 13-year-old boy, was killed last Tuesday in Knott County, Kentucky. Brian had been following the stories, trying to stitch together the evidence to make some sense of it all. The boy was staying at relative's house and a familiar, very familiar with the area. He was playing in the backyard and a relative called 911 at 6 p.m. last Tuesday evening, saying the boy was being attacked by a canine type creature. First responders on the site at 6.30 p.m. They made it after the 911 caller director directed them up the mountain behind the house. They had difficulty getting up the mountainside because of the steep, slick terrain, but found the boy was dead 300 to 400 feet straight up the rain slick mountain. State troopers reported something is out there. Coroner had confirmed that the boy was killed by a canine-type creature, but couldn't identify what it was exactly. The latest reports are still listed as canine creature. There have not been any wolves in Kentucky for decades. A full-grown 40-pound coyote couldn't drag a 100-pound dead body up a mountainside. There are no mountain lions in Kentucky. A feral dog or even several feral dogs could not drag a 100-pound dead body up a mountainside, nor could a bear. The coroner has determined the cause of death to be a canine-type creature once again. The funeral was on Friday, and Brian had communicated with the relative to go set up a GoFundMe page, and three different reporters, all at the same time, had said canine creature. The coroner has had ample time to test the DNA. Known animals would be easily identified, but they aren't saying what it was that killed this poor boy. A bear or a mountain lion are the only two animals that Brian knows of that could kill a human and have the strength to drag him up 100 yards up a rain-slick mountainside. But it wasn't a bear or a mountain lion. Coroner said that the canine creature killed him. The authorities are asking neighbors to be hyper-vigilant of their surroundings. If you want more information, Google 13-year-old boy killed by animal attack in Kentucky. The story will most likely fade to black with no official ID of the animal or creature that killed him. Brian has taken the liberty of copying and posting this to reply to the Dogman post. Follow Brian Ellis and Expedition Bigfoot, and you will read more about this, and you will understand why the Dogman topic might be more important than the possibility of a Bigfoot attack. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And hence makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 good.
That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, forhims.com slash good. That's forhims.com slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family owned, family operated, family managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dave Grohl says that the Foo Fighters recorded their upcoming album. Their 10th album, isn't that neat, uh, in California, and it turns out the house is haunted. They can't even tell you about the house because a lady is trying to sell it. Huh. They said, we found out about the history of the house, and I had to sign an effing non-disclosure agreement with the landlord because he's trying to sell it. So I can't give away what happened there, but they set up a baby monitor. Things did happen. They did How see cool things. How cool is that? Um, their guitars would be detuned between sessions. All their settings on their soundboard would go back to zero. Their tracks would go missing. Some tracks didn't record while theirs would be there instead i guess like weird mic open noises okay like the yeah, yeah, yeah mic would just open and noises would be there sure when they walked into the house dave said i knew the vibes were definitely off but the sound was effing on he said <laughs> the, stuff. the vibes were off but the sound yes. was on he said stuff That's started happening awesome. almost right away and they got increasingly weirded out and that wild? Yeah, who would not? I mean, like that's yeah, that's really weird. I Once mean, like, you're recording, you're recording like one of the coolest albums that you could record. What your your tenth one, and then right. all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> I love it. Once they sell that house, I bet we'll get more details. Well, yeah, you want to know ahead of time though that that's the house, right? Yes. Oh my god, I, it's kind of cool actually. Some people. Like look for haunted houses. I, that's what I think too. I think like eventually Parks, they could probably get more out of that house because that would be the place. Neil Parks would love that. Foo Fighters recorded there, and it's haunted. Yep. He buys haunted items online. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're you're begging curses to be inside well, your honest, home. Neil, you know, he he wants to hang out with the ghosts pretty bad. He does. Yes, man. he does. <laughs> he has some books written right now. You can check them out, uh, or you can buy them online. Neil Parks, look for him. He's local, and it's all the local haunts around here, Chillicothe, you name it. He has been there, and he's written about it. The time that U.S. troops believed that they saw Bigfoot in the jungles of Vietnam, in the Kantum province of Vietnam, near the borders with Laos and Cambodia, There were many reports from the U.S. troops on patrols of a strange, not quite human, but not quite ape creature. The locals called Nagao Rung, or the people of the forest. In other words, we know him as Bigfoot. Gary Linderer was on a six-man patrol with the 101st Airborne Long Range Reconnaissance Patrols. While struggling through the underbrush, he ran into a deep set of eyes on a prominent brow five feet tall, with long, muscular arms. The creature walked upright and was then much taller than five feet. He had broad shoulders and a heavy torso. 
His battle buddies told him he just saw a rock ape, but Lindwer had seen rock apes before. This was no rock ape. Once it stood completely tall, it was about in excess of seven feet, like the Yeti in the Himalayas and the Sasquatch sightings all over North America. The Nagual Rung is an often told tale in this area, but despite endless sightings and folklore attached to the semi-mythical creature, no concrete evidence exists. Linderer wasn't the only witness either. Army Sergeant Thomas Jenkins reported his platoon was attacked by these apes throwing stones at them. Toward the end of the war, Viet Cong and NVA soldiers reported so many sightings of the reddish-brown-haired-covered Nagao Rong. The North Vietnamese Communist Party ordered scientists to investigate the sightings. Dr. Vo Quy, a respected doctor and environmental researcher from Hanoi, discovered the Nagao Rong footprint on the forest floor and made a cast of it. The cast was wider than a human foot and too big for an ape and much too long for a human. In 1982, another Vietnamese scientist, Tran Hong, Viet discovered more footprints, which led zoologist John McKinnon to investigate the region. McKinnon called the area a tiny, pristine corner of the world unknown to modern science. In 1969, McKinnon discovered man-like footprints in Borino's jungles, with the locals called Batutut, while much of the evidence surrounding the existence of these apes is only through theory alone. McKinnon, known for his discoveries of new mammal species in Vietnam, believes that there is a possibility the existence of a previously unknown ape species is very much real. The account of Nagai Rong meeting American GIs in Vietnam was first published and Craig P.J. Jorningson's Very Crazy G.I. But Strange True Stories of the Vietnam War. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Well, I'm done for today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, artist, screenwriter, documentary producer, and actor. Having a lot of fun doing this. I hope you're enjoying the show. This is the... uh, I've been doing this for a year and a half now. I hope you enjoy every episode. And what is yet to come? Join me next week for more terrifying tales, weird stuff, eye-opening information, and my view on things. Have a great weekend.